T-Bob has to jump in and, you know, get his two cents in and say, and I'm his robot, which kind of puts the lady on edge now. I think I would too. <laughs> Let me take a step back here. Yeah. The sound effects in this episode just plain sucked. I'm not entirely sure what Backlash really does. So. And then number two, why did he not use his brakes? And three, Gator's half boat just ejected <laughs> save the day. Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G, DJ, movie writer, 80s guru, vehicle code name, Frontier. Wyatt B, sound engineer, movie writer, airman, vehicle code name, Dakota. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, MassCast listeners, to MassCast number 24, where we will be reviewing episode 18 of the Mass cartoon titled Bad Vibrations. And in this episode, Venom threatens to blow up buildings in Hong Kong with a sonic weapon. I am your host, Jason, as always, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Bigfoot to my grave digger, Wyatt. How are you tonight? That's a pretty good analogy, but you know what? I remember the old days when we Bigfoot and Barefoot. Yes, I do too. And I still Ford remember... versus Chevy. Yeah, and I still remember one clip. It's the Barefoot actually going into the like a nearby beach or something, and they have like five tires on each uh, axle, right? Each hub. Yes, thing. and he's on the water. Right, and he's floating around. I thought that was the coolest thing ever when I saw that. But then I... I remember that. Yeah. I haven't seen it since, and I haven't YouTubed it, but I still, it's like ingrained in my mind. So. Bigfoot was huge for longest time in the 80s it, and uh, it was. he used to do all those stunts remember the one where he jumped over the airplane oh yeah i mean it was like a major it was like you know the way they do now with new year's eve and those crazy stunts where they're jumping over lakes and stuff and snowmobiles and motorcycles but yeah they i mean i remember they built that up and then they uh and then Bigfoot had that huge jump over the plane. Right, and I remember seeing it. I was uh, stationed there near its home, near uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, I remember passing it frequently. And I'd see the uh-huh. big Bigfoot. They had the huge, huge tires. Like, not the regular monster truck tires. They had the big, huge rims. I swear they were, like, double the size. But it, it, was, it was way cool. I still have my Bigfoot board game. Uh, I don't know if you remember us playing it, but uh, I break it out every once in a while with the boys, and uh, it was pretty fun. It came with four little plastic kind of Bigfoots and these little cards, and on one side of the card it had a very nice sports car, and then you flipped the card over, and it was all wrecked, (laughs) and you used them throughout the game, you know. Most of the time, it was just using the little Bigfoots as a toy. Right. Still have that. So, and obviously, we are pretty big monster truck fans still to this day. We play uh, 
play Monster Jam. I've actually been to a couple events with the boys in the last few years, so still a good time. Oh, yes. And speaking of good times, I wanted to promote my website. Uh, it's actually a slight combined effort with uh, Jason and I, but mostly mine, and that is clearfieldcounty.com. Uh, yes. This is Jason and I's home county. Uh, I've been away in the military for almost 18 years, and I am still dreadfully homesick. So because of that, uh, about 10 years ago, I started this website in the hopes of really just capturing people's interest in getting to Clearfield, whether as a tourist or maybe promote some business, but also as a, a central hub of all types of links inside the county, like for amusement or real estate or local schools, government, etc. So I just wanted to promote it because it's been on the internet for 10 years and it's really been a great time having it evolve into from what looked like a little bulletin board thing into a almost news-like format, which is what uh, Jason helped me with here about a year or so ago. Wow, it's been that long since we updated it. <laughs> it's been that long. Uh, no, well, let me just say that um, it's come a long way. You've, you've put a lot of time, your heart into into the site for our hometown of uh, Clearfield, Pennsylvania, and uh, a lot of people have come to, I think, appreciate it more. We're on Facebook now and Twitter, and I think we've got, what, 4,000 people out of our small little town there that are uh, that have liked the, the Facebook page for it. I mean, you've got uh, news feeds, you've got traffic cams. I mean, this is a great resourceful site for our little area back home, and uh, it would be fun for it to have some people just check it out at uh, clearfield-county.com. And you can see why it's handiwork when he's not working on the math script. Or at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, just one Congratulations more. Congratulations on 10 years. Yeah, thank you. And just one minor plug with it is we, Jason and I, have been lifelong friends. And if you listen to any of our mass casts, especially the initial one, Meet the Writers, if you want to know more about us, uh, you almost just have to go to our website and you can really pick out where we're from uh, and see what our home area kind of rural life was like and still is in some ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, we love it. I know I would love to go back to it. Uh, don't know about Jason, but uh, we enjoy coming back time so, to time and uh, just a quaint little county. I miss it. Yep. It is a nice area. It was, it was a really great area to grow up in, um, especially in the 80s, I guess you would say. It was kind of rural and not very not very large. I don't know what the population is now, but um, it was just a great area to grow up in. We had lot, lots of good memories there. Lots so of good memories. <laughs> nice, to, nice to keep those, uh, keep it alive, in other words. Right. So, Well, good job with that, and uh, let's go ahead and... Uh, Roll on, what do you say? That's right, let's start the mass cast. So our episode begins with a grand opening celebration for a cultural building in Hong Kong. And they are thanking Matt for his generous contributions, like always, in uh, helping him build this cultural building. 
Scott's so proud saying to this strange woman next to him, He's my dad. I'm his son. Which I guess he's super excited because he has to really explain that he is his son. <laughs> but anyway, then T-Bob has to jump in and you know get his two cents in and say, And I'm his robot, which kind of yeah. puts the lady on edge now. I think I would too. If, yeah. Let me take a step back here. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> as they're preparing to cut the ribbon, Matt whispers that he'd like to like his son to join in the ribbon cutting ceremony, and you know he's actually surprised and almost a little apprehensive to jump up. But then Alex and T Bob encourage him to go and be a part of it. Yeah, that was a neat little scene there because it's almost like Scott is kind of growing up, you know, and Matt isn't including him more in his business ventures. He just won't um, let him inclu- be included in the mask <laughs> versus venom stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Scott comes up there, and, of course, T-Bob has another little crack up here where he says, uh, Go on, Scott. This will be perfect for you. You're such a cut-up. So I was like, ugh, here we go again with T-Bob and his little sayings. That's right. Since uh, they were all over the last episode, but... They, anyway, they get up there, they cut the ribbon, and then they start having these earthquake-like tremors uh, around the building. And then everybody kind of moves away from the front steps there, and the whole building just implodes. It collapses right in front of the crowd. And then you hear this warning announcement. Attention, everyone! That will teach you to take land from motherless children. There will be destructions all over Hong Kong. At last, I will have my revenge. Motherless children? What's he talking about? An old abandoned orphanage was demolished to make way for this building. So it was like, who's this guy? Because it did not sound like mayhem. Right. So it kind of leaves that there's, I think he leaves it off that there's more to come. And uh, the mayor-like person of the city there says that it used to be an old orphanage there that was demolished to build this huge skyscraper. Then we cut to Alex. He's kind of in the rubble, um, and he finds this boulder that he kind of, I think, Matt, is it Matt that taps on it? And yeah. He says uh, it's like hollow inside. So Alex has his handy-dandy uh, sonar scanner. He goes up there and uh, zaps the rock and says that whatever was inside is now melted. And uh, they end up taking the boulder uh, back to Rhino. And Alex gets out his uh, diamond drill bit on his drill to uh, cut into the boulder. Right, and T-Bob is commenting on how sharp this drill is. Alex's drill sure is powerful. It should be. It has a diamond tip. A diamond tip. He, he must really love his tool. Uh, yeah, that's one one of your roll the eye moments there. Yeah, and then, a little bling on your uh, power tools there. So then Alex finishes up with the drilling and has Matt carefully fill the rock with wax to create a mold of what was inside. They wait a moment for the wax to hard and then they crack it open. This is when they discover it was an electronic device and Alex hopes that the computer will figure it out. Well, before the computer figures it out, Matt 
like jumps in and says, Whatever it is, we've got to move fast. Scan the personnel files for the masked agents best suited for this mission. So now we have Gloria come up with Shark, but did you catch the little tiny blurp mistake when the call-up? Well, and we'll get into this later, but um, yeah, the sound effects in this episode just plain sucked. To oh, me. it wasn't even that. Uh, for a split moment, you saw Bruce's call-up on the screen. Oh, and no, it went I didn't forward, see that. And then Dusty with Gator comes on scene. So now we got Gloria and Dusty along with Shark and Gator, respectively. And we finally get to see our transport plane take off. Yes, I like that. Um, it shows it in the desert, so it leads me to believe that it's somewhere near Boulder Hill where it takes off. It's not like from an airport, at least. At least not in this episode. It was like out in the middle of the desert. Right. Um, but it was neat to see that. I, yeah, this whole call-up was... It was a normal one, which we didn't get last week. You know, it was in sequential where they showed the pictures on the screen and then they cut to the person doing their little spiel and then, you know, go to the next person. But it had the odd sound effects and their, even the wristwatch alarms were different. And that just bugged the crap out of me. Yeah, the different sound effects just, it didn't sit well with me, uh, I know it seems like they try things out off and on throughout the episodes, but for the first, yeah. you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I'm, that's kind of my point here is, you know, we've had these same kind of sound effects for 17 episodes pretty much, and now they're changing stuff. But anyway, um, we get out of the call up and we uh, fade back to Hong Kong. The team meets, I guess, in the hotel. Matt says, The crime database revealed that top secret plans for a frequency resonator bomb were stolen six months ago from a Swiss research center. And then Alex goes on to explain to Gloria that this uh, bomb uses structure's own vibrations to destroy it. For example, soldiers can destroy a bridge by marching across it at just the right beat. And then Matt goes on to say that there was no trace of who is behind the, the theft of this bomb. So could it be Venom, or who could it be? <laughs> right, and that, that's what I liked about this episode, is that they actually left it open to, and and didn't push Venom right yeah. right off the bat. You know, you think they they always suspect Venom, but they didn't really push it this time. Yes, that's very true. Um, and then we see Scott and T. Bob's kind of spying in on their little meeting, and T. Bob is acting like he has hiccups. Scott, I've got the... <laughs> Alex, then we cut back to him, and he's got this portable, like, seismograph, he says, that should help, you know, trying to detect um, this bomb or any, you know, early warning signs. And then it starts going off, I guess, because of T-Bob's hiccups in the next room. And they walk over there, and they discover Scott and T-Bob are there. And, of course, Matt gives them the old... Sorry, Scott. But if you're looking for adventure, you'll have to settle for some sightseeing. But he he kind of puts T-Bob in charge here, doesn't he? He he says, uh... T-Bob, I'm depending on you to keep an eye on Scott and make sure he sticks to sightseeing. Right, and I, I found it odd that he he's putting the robot in charge, but... Uh, <laughs> no kidding. 
I guess at the moment he just doesn't trust Scott to not get involved chasing down Venom. But, you know, I was thinking with this hiccup issue trait, whatever you want to call it with T-Bob, you know, we should start doing a pop quiz about all these human traits and have a <laughs> yeah. mass cast devoted to just pop quizzes on T-Bob's human traits or something. I, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how many people would listen to that. But Yeah, I know. <laughs> T-Bob's isn't exactly the most loved mass character. No, he isn't. At least he's not in my book, but <laughs> and there might be a few out there that would... Uh... I like the ability that he's a robot and he changes into a little scooter, but that's about all I got for him. Yeah, right, right. But so now we find ourselves with a new villain, at least it seems like, who's finishing a business call. That's right, the Golden Dragon Restaurant. As soon as you destroy it, I'll wire the money to your Swiss account. I'll teach them to fire a busboy the first day on his job. Inside, we finally come upon the infamous Rax, as he's just placed one of those resonator bombs at the restaurant. Mask is now out patrolling, with Matt checking in with everybody, as Alex radios in. Feels like the calm before the storm. My word, there's the storm, and it's just down the block. And then all of a sudden his mask lowers onto his head, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like the command thing. I, I guess they're getting off to this, um, the computer's thinking ahead. Yeah, and, well, I think later on in the episode, Matt um, uses a voice command to pull his mask down on his head in Thunderhawk. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's another thing where it's just kind of inconsistent. They don't. I don't know if the, the writers were sure what to do with the masks inside the vehicles. Because you see, like, well, obviously, like Rax, who's got the open area with his bike, can't do that. So he's got it, like, tucked in behind the windshield, and he just pulls it out and pops it on whenever he needs it. Right. But I, I would be okay with that instead of having it, you know, come down onto their head mechanically inside the vehicle. But I don't know. It's just kind of been off and on. Sometimes it sits well, and sometimes it, it doesn't. So I didn't really have too much of a problem with it in this episode. But um, anyway, um, so they roll up to the uh, restaurant. It's starting to shake and starting to crumble and crack. Matt sees this uh, man in the window in a few stories up. And uh, he's calling for help. And he tells Alex to go get him. And Alex kind of hesitates and makes this wisecrack with the old elevator talk. Yeah. Top floor, please. Housewares, cooking utensils. Jackrabbit, off! I was like, is now really the time to do that? Exactly. That's. I, I think that's what... I, I, I'm nitpicking, but that was one of the, the my bigger markdowns, if you want to call it that, in this episode, is you, you, you're showing you can joke around before you go rescue someone. Right. right. Really? I mean, I, <laughs> I mean this, whole, this whole cartoon is just full of those little puns and, you know, little wisecracks and stuff, but... This is the first time I really noticed that they're doing it like right before they're going to save somebody. It would have kind of worked better if he was like floating up in the air and he said it as he was kind of like ascending to the window, right. you know, fourth floor, uh, you know. It, so he didn't like have to stop and say it before he we went and rescued this guy. But anyway, so he uses the the jackrabbit mask to float up to the floor and rescue uh, the chef who is uh, help me help my. 
I can't remember what he says. And uh, Alex tells him, you going my way? And he grabs on his back, and they float out, and the restaurant just basically crumbles again, just like the uh, the skyscraper at the beginning of the episode. Right. And they're all kind of standing around, and you, there's a real nice shot of kind of the rubble and masks, uh, vehicles, just kind of sitting there next to the rubble. Um, then we cut back to Scott and T-Bob, who have just come out of the art museum. So this is like the first stop on their uh, tour of Hong Kong. And Scott says, But I'm tired of being a tourist. I want to help Dad. I wouldn't be surprised if Venom's involved. Venom? That's all you ever think about. They're probably a zillion miles away from here. Just about that time, Rax whizzes by on Piranha, and they don't notice him. Right. I thought that that was another kind of roll your eyes moment. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it just seemed like uh, Scott and T Bob had never seen Venom before. Uh, anyway, T Bob mentions about getting something to eat at the Golden Dragon, and then Scott says, "I want a hot dog with a bunch of mustard." <laughs> um, bickering back and forth as they normally do. Right. But then we go back to the rubble. Right. So we're back at the rubble of the Golden Dragon, and. There's a crowd that hears an announcement stating that the golden dragon had risen so high, but on the sweat of others. Now that sweat has extinguished the dragon's fire. Once again, revenge is mine. So the mass team, you know, looks around and then it splits off to Gator driving down a street. And then we see Piranha going down at like a nearby street. Dusty happens to catch a glimpse of him and goes, Huh? And then his mask lowers from nowhere, and that's when he radios to, to Matt saying that, Matt, we got us a sly polecat tail. Good work, cowboy. We'll hit him off at the pass. Matt has Alex and Gloria stay back to help with the disaster relief, I guess, and then Matt goes to help Dusty wrangle up old Rax. Then we see Rax knocking over a veggie stand with Dusty chasing behind, Rax lobs a little smoke grenade, and then, you know, Dusty has a little quip here saying, this ain't a smoking zone, and uses backlash to cut a hole into the smoke to drive through. Really? Yeah, really. I don't know how backlash <laughs> can do that, but, you know, I'm not entirely sure what backlash really does, so. Yeah, it, I don't know. It seems more like a sonic kind of beam that it shoots out and can penetrate stuff so, right but penetrate smoke i was like ah and then you know we've been used to the the backlash sound effect it has a particular sound effect for backlash they used a different one this yep. time backlash oh ah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so the the smoke clears and uh they thunderhawk is now with uh gator they get through the smoke and they're closing in on racks racks uh Looks back and he, uh, this is where he grabs Stiletto from behind the windshield, puts it on, and he fires the mask at Gator and it pops the front uh, tire. And it sends Gator careening down this hill, kind of out of control. Uh, it ends up going through this barn and all these chickens are now in with Dusty inside and then they're blocking his windshield too. And... It pans back, and we see he's heading towards a cliff, 
with all these chickens right. <laughs> on his windshield. And then and he goes, oh no, we're heading for the last roundup. Right, and then that's when yeah. they fade to our ever-dramatic commercial break. Yep, he goes over the cliff and commercial. Right. So after the break, oh. yeah, we see Matt launch two jet blast pods, I guess, which end up attaching to the underside of Gator. There's a minor adjustment Matt has to do, and then it ends up they end up igniting and landing Gator back on dry land, which I I, I don't know where the dry land was. Always all I saw was ocean. Yes, I had two points right here. Number one. Where did the ground come from? Because we see him going over the cliff, and there's nothing but ocean there. Right. And then number two, why did he not use his brakes? And three, Gator's <laughs> half boat just ejected and saved <laughs> no the day. Kidding. <laughs> but oh my God, three! There was three, <laughs> three backlashes there at that uh, that whole scene. Right. Good great. So anyway. You know, Dusty thanks Matt, but he jokingly remarks that the chicken, which has been in his lap this entire duration. But I got a feeling from now on, this chicken's going to be laying nothing but scrambled eggs. Ha ha ha. So we're back at Scott and T-Bob, and they're looking at going somewhere else and finally come to a conclusion to go to uh, the Hong Kong Zoo. Well, they walk up to... a. Uh, overpass and while they're standing on it scott informs him that it's off in the distance and he has to explain where and where and it's way off the distance across a bridge and state that and then t-bob comments that nothing gets past you as jackhammer rolls underneath the underpass (laughs) yeah scott i don't think scott's qualified to join mask just yet yeah well not according to this episode at least no so we've forgotten what Jackhammer looks like and Piranha. Yeah, really. Or at least, or at least we're not paying attention. Um, anyway, so we go back to Rhino's command center, and Gloria says, So far, all we know is some nut is out for revenge. Think it's mayhem? Maybe. I'm hoping good old reliable Alex will come up with a confirmation. Alex has a good lead by cross-referencing the records of the orphans who stayed at the orphanage that were that was destroyed by the for the building of the uh, the new skyscraper with the golden dragon employees i thought this was really good this was clever right um way to kind of narrow down some leads uh the computer identifies mr julian fong who is a rich construction company owner um there was another kind of weird pause here. I mean, they bring his picture up on the screen, and then it, like, goes to black. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, and then it, there's, like, a long pause there where Glory and Dusty are, like, open-mouthed. You know, like, this is, like, some huge surprise to see this guy. Anyway, after that little meeting in Rhino, we cut to Rax now, who is hopping from his bike into the sub, and he enters the harbor... Goes down underneath the, all the ships, and he surfaces near this yacht. And then this is when we finally see Mayhem, and he's on the phone. Look, Fong, if you expect us to continue doing business, you're going to have to pay double. I told you never to use my name. I'm prepared to pay you one million dollars. Not a penny more. You forget. I have the resonator bomb, so I set the terms. Two million. 
That's better. What do you want us to destroy next? Consider it done. As soon as my money's in Switzerland, that is. But they don't reveal which location is next. And I like that. It built up a little bit of suspense there. Right. And so Rex enters into the room and informs Miles that Mask is now in Hong Kong and is on to them. So, you know, now what, boss? Then it just flips right back to Rhino. And the computer has come up with a psychological profile analysis. And with this analysis, they learned that Fong was loved in the orphanage, but he wasn't as a young adult. And then subsequently, he was fired from several jobs, I guess starter jobs. So one of them, in, including being uh, suspected and po possibly charged with embezzlement. So now Fong is just seeking revenge out of all of this because he was wronged or not loved. Whatever the issue is, he's out for revenge. So now the computer now ascertains that there's three possible targets that Fong might be looking at. The team ends up splitting up and covering these three sites with Matt kind of overseeing everything from the sky. We yeah. flip right back to Scott and T-Bob. And they are now looking for their next sightseeing location with Scott, you know, pining away that he wishes he was with his dad. He's, I guess, standing out in the street because a limo pulls up. We find out it's Mr. Fong. And Scott says, oh, sorry. And then he goes away, which that didn't that didn't sit well with me. That was more like like you say, a rolls your eyes moment there. Yeah, he, he kind of stepped out. I think they were trying to cross the street or something. He kind of stepped out into traffic, and the limo has to stop for him. And he kind of looks in and tells him sorry. But he wouldn't have known who this Fong guy is anyway. So, you know, he's this is another one of those kind of coincidental moments where, you know, Scott could have, I guess, radioed into Matt using T-Bob that Venom is up to something here. But he had no idea who this guy was. So. Right didn't have too much of a big deal with it but anyway uh scott tells t-bob let's go on this double-decker bus ride and t-bob he makes a crack about hmm i'll have to talk to buddy about giving me a double-decker mode and i was like whoa okay i thought it was scott doing all the adjustments on him that's what i thought it kind of blew my theory out of the water yeah <laughs> yeah so i guess buddy is the one that's doing the major work on t-bob Anyway, they go inside the bus, and they sit down, and the camera kind of pans over, and we see Rax. He's in disguise, riding on this bus. And then we cut right to Matt. He's above the city now in Thunderhawk, and he's checking in with uh, all the agents. Liberty Center looks clear so far. Keep your eyes peeled. Come in, Alex. Having a good time at the movies? We have a cast of thousands, but no sign of the villains yet, old boy. How are things at the bank, Dusty? Not really holding my interest. We cut back to Scott and T-Bob exiting the bus, and then we see Rex exiting too out the back and kind of goes around the corner. And Scott and T-Bob kind of, oh, this is uh, Liberty Center. Let's uh, let's go in here and see what's going on. And uh, Gloria is out patrolling, and she spots them, and she radios to Matt. Scott, trouble, Matt. 
Scott and T-Bob just went into Liberty Center. I'm going in to get them out, just in case there's trouble. Alex, Dusty, maintain positions. I'm heading for Liberty Center. So, Goya enters the building and she's searching around for Scott and T-Bob. And then we see Rax planting this bomb on top of the elevator. And uh, it starts to move and he jumps out and out of the uh, elevator shaft there and he says something like, I'll never find it here or something. And uh, Scott and T-Bob then, they head up this escalator to the ice cream shop. And Gloria sees them on the floor above and she takes the elevator to get up to Scott and T-Bob and that's when the vibrations start. Right, and it's as Scott is actually salivating over the tubs of ice cream you yeah. see all the, the tremors start. So T-Bob asks, Huh? Ooh, what's going on? All I know is that I didn't order an ice cream shake. Ha ha. And, you know, Gloria exits the elevator. She's advising Matt of the situation, and she now has her mask. This whole time, she was, like, carrying along her mask. So that kind of blows that her cover right there to me. <laughs> um, yeah. But and nonetheless, you know, Matt alerts the rest of the team. And they have to gun it towards Liberty Center. And here's where I noticed a little glitch here. You know, as he's saying this, Matt's mask is coming down. But as it's starting to move down, that's when he gives the command. It's like he's late yeah. on the game, you know. Yeah, it was a little late. So uh, anyway, so Scott and T-Bob take cover. And then Matt tells Gloria that he's going to try to neutralize the vibrations with feedback. He uses Spectrum Jammer to try to neutralize the vibrations. But as he's verbally working this situation out, he realizes that... strange. It keeps moving up and down. Almost like it's... That's it. Gloria, the bomb's in one of the elevators. The elevator stopped in the basement. Go for it. Outside, we see Miles watching uh, in Switchblade as Matt is you know, shooting this jammer at the building. He instructs Rax and Dagger to stop them. Gloria now just can't find this bomb but matt like argues with her that hey keep searching it's there i see it it's there it has to be and then uh so rax and dagger finally get on the scene rax shoots this torpedo at uh matt and it hits behind thunderhawk and finally dusty shows up to give matt some support and he uses backlash again to kind of make this blast right beside both Jackhammer and Piranha, and it causes them to kind of tip over and crash. Now, one thing I did notice here, again, with the sound effects, the sound effects for the weapons on the vehicles, that sounded more like real like machine guns, and not the laser you know, sound effects they had been using basically this whole time. Right. Um, so that... That was kind of oddball to me. But anyway, so after the vehicles tip over and crash, we see Rax and Dagger running away. And Miles, he's up high. He sees them running. and Those bumbling fools! I'll have to deal with this myself! So he uh, shoots at Thunderhawk, and then Alex finally gets into action. He comes in and he shoots the blast from the Rhino Cannons, and it hits the Switchblade Rotors. And it kind of knocks him off kilter there. And Mayhem 
radios to Venom. Dagger, meet me back at the harbor. We delayed them long enough. I was like, okay, well, they don't have any vehicles. They're running. Right. It's going to take them a while to get back to the harbor. Anyway, so uh, after Switchblade has kind of suffered the effects of this blast of the rotors, he converts to jet mode. And as he's taken off, he says, it's too late to stop that resonator bomb inside the building. So Matt radios to Gloria. We're back inside. And Gloria still has no luck finding it. And then she finally realizes that it may be on top of the elevator. Um, so she looks up. She uses Aura to open the little elevator access door in the ceiling. Wait a minute. I know where it is. Aura, on! Matt, I found it! And I was like, really? She needs to use the mask for that? Exactly. <laughs> Are you a lazy woman? Come on. But what was even more impressive <laughs> is that she pulled a Superman. And she, like, flies yeah, like, out, but, you know, I'm like, oh, really? They don't really show her, like, bending down to jump up to uh, to grab the, the elevator ceiling. She just kind of floats up right. <laughs> and grabs it. So, but she ends oh, up finding anyway. the bomb and turns it off. Thank God it only had a little push button, you know? How convenient. I know. <laughs> it's just like, uh, well, does it come with... Uh, Auto door locks and heated seats on this bomb. <laughs> right. It's not like the good Push old... button start. <laughs> you know, you would think it would be suspenseful, like good old MacGyver. You know, you have three stupid switches. You have to... Three wires to cut, yeah. three wires to cut or a mercury <laughs> switch. You can't move the thing too fast. Uh, just a convenient push button. That's all we need. Yeah. So, uh, as the emergency subsides, Scott and T-Bob end up reuniting with Matt. And, you know, T-Bob is now covered in ice cream. Uh, Scott kind of quips that he looks delicious, and yeah. then we fade out to an to an office building. I guess it's the hotel building. With, yeah, I think it was the hotel. With Matt finishing a call in which the authorities have captured Julian Fong, but of course, old Venom has slithered away. Because you didn't go after me, you dummy. I know. <laughs> Did you notice, like, when they cut back to the hotel, it looks like Matt has black hair. I saw that. That was a big glitch. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they were trying to like show him in the shadows or something of the room, but I was like, who's this guy talking like Matt? And then they'd show him again. I was like, oh, it is Matt. Right. I had to like go back and <laughs> oh, Matt uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt had a little bend life crisis and he broke out the hair dye to, to get rid of some gray. But <laughs> anyway. So anyway, we got, you know, Gloria asks how T-Bob got so clean from all the ice cream. Scott's kind of in pain, it seems like. He has a little painful tone. He says, don't ask. Then T-Bob insists, so Scott reveals that. Well, I couldn't bear to see all that ice cream go to waste, so I mm -hmm, ate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Didn't want to waste it. Exactly. So the group gets a laugh, and we cut to our PSA. Right, and... Uh... This time, Scott is soldering. Um, he's giving T-Bob a new circuit something. I couldn't make out exactly what he said. But it's just like this little board right. that he was soldering. And I was like, well, I guess we're back to our theory where Scott is doing some work on T-Bob. Right. And this but, is where uh, I kind of suspect, after seeing this, I kind of suspect that Buddy might be the mechanic on T-Bob. But Scott is like the electronic technician. Yeah. I don't know. 
Could be. Anyway, uh, he leaves his soldering iron on, and it starts a fire. The smoke alarm goes off, and Scott grabs the fire extinguisher and starts to put it out and says, It was a good thing Dad installed that smoke detector. It could have been a real disaster. And then T-Bob makes a crack. He always has a disaster when fixing T-Bob. This was just kind of a lame PSA. Uh, it's a good thing they installed the smoke detector. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would have thought they could have said something about, you know, why, you know, you got to be careful what you're doing, you know, put the starting iron away or how to yeah. use a fire extinguisher in the event, you know, call 911 if you got a fire, <laughs> nothing. So, yeah. Uh, what did you rate this episode as? Well, I gave this one a three. Um, the same as last week. And I was almost teetering on two. But my, anyway, here's here's the good things I pulled out of it. I liked that it was more than just Venom as the bad guys. You know, just typically, uh, what's Venom up to this time? But they used this uh, new character to kind of take a break from the mystical part and... Venom is their motivation this time is more just for the money, maybe to just fund the organization and all their costs and stuff. So I thought that was a good, you know, break from the norm. Um, and you know, it seems like the last few episodes has been nothing but you know the legend and mystical kind of part of the whole cartoon, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it was a nice break. Um, and there was good drama at the end inside with Scott and T-Bob still in the building. The building is collapsing. They can't find the bomb. Um, so there was some good drama there. The bad? Well, um, the sound effects just bugged the crap out of me. The wristwatch alarms, the mask computer, the vehicle guns, even the mask uh, themselves, the sound effects were just not what have they have been consistently since the beginning so that really didn't sit well with me that they just decided to, maybe they left their sound effect guy take a vacation or something and <laughs> somebody had to fill in but uh the way they used scott and t-bob was i don't know kind of hokey um i liked how they kind of finally you know got involved at the very end but just the way that they had no clue what Venom looked like, just seemed, I don't know, just not their personality right. that they've built up in these in these episodes so far. And there's just a couple ticks. I don't know, it, I mean, maybe you can get, I'll get your take on this, but the Rhino rocket launcher, um, it just didn't seem to look right when they're inside the command center and you see it in the background or they're standing next to it. Um, when they're strategizing there, it almost looks like it was in the way or it was almost too crowded in there at times. Well, you know, I think it was actually good to have it there. You know what it's like. You know that it is a kind of a cramped spot. Uh, I like they never sh they never shown it in the in like previous episodes right. during their little powwows in the in the command center. They just decided to start adding it i guess right and i actually like it because it is part of rhino and if you if it were movable uh, like a little like a little slide platform or something i could see but i yeah. i think of it as a fixed rocket launcher so i actually like that it's there but it is annoying 
because you do look at it and think they could have moved it or gotten it out of the way, so it makes it look more roomy. But well, the way you know the way Dusty is and how hokey and seem you know seemingly clumsy, I'm just waiting for him to lean up against it and like set it off accidentally or something. That would be hilarious. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then just one more thing. Um, did you notice that this was? I think this was the first episode that we had Gloria without Vanessa. So it was kind of weird just having one without the other. Right. I did notice that. I didn't think too much into it, but I did find it a little odd. Usually usually when um, they have Gloria, they have Vanessa. So So what was your rating? Uh, I was hovering on a 3.5 to 4, but as I'm reviewing this with you, I, I got to come down. I, I think a 3 is probably about par for it like you i liked the episode i liked that we suspected it might be someone else other than venom causing all this and we might be battling another enemy i actually liked the kind of arrow aerobatics that switchblade had you know it was slightly dramatic not overly but the slight dramatic of you know is switchblade ever going to pull up after being nicked and even in jet mode is he going to pull out of this he ends up of course flying out of there but it was still i liked that i thought t bob and scott were used way too much um i agree i see what they were doing and how they used them but i think they were still used way too much uh we talked about the psa didn't seem as much of a psa as it could have been we talked about it was, i wasn't a fan of the casual joking in an emergency when you're trying to rescue someone uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm being too critical, but you know, you're 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 promoting public service announcements. You at least should be kind of sort of aware yeah. of what you're promoting in the cartoon too. It was just wisecrack overkill, right? Did you notice how when they're meeting in Rhino and then they say, "Okay, let's go, team." So Alex jumps out of Rhino, but in the scene where they're he's parked outside. Uh, the movie theater, he's sitting in Rhino. So... Uh, I didn't notice that. Did he, like, jump out to take a quick pee break and jump back in? What? <laughs> I, I get <laughs> So, um, the different sound effects were kind of a bigger thing with me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that, um, Matt's dark hair, that little bit, I think they just forgot to, you know, Color in, color it in, color it <laughs> yeah, in I, right. I guess, is what the mistake was. Because I thought that, you know, I'm, I'm like, you I had to pause and go, so there's another mat? Oh, 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 they just forgot to draw the yellow in. Um, so, yeah, I was really teetering on it, but the more I'm looking at this, I, I did put it on the poll as a four. Uh, I wish I could change it because I, I think three is probably the best because I was even teetering 3.5 and I thought, oh, I'll pull a Jason and round it up. <laughs> no rounding for me in this episode. No, I, I can't do it. <laughs> Did you catch any similarities at all? To the script, no. I I really was trying to, <laughs> and I didn't. So what? did you pull anything out? Very, very vaguely stuff, like the desert setting for the transport plane. That's a very vague, because we really don't know where this transport plane is housed. I would kind of assume that it's hangered at Boulder Hill, but... It could be some defunct airstrip somewhere else. 
Um, Venom looking for money, you know, to fund their cause. We said last time that yes, we gave them kind a of a humble beginning in our movie. So they they're really having to just scrape to get by. So they're out robbing stuff to kind of fund their their cause. Um, the only other thing I saw was when Matt used Spectrum and he says Spectrum Jammer. Now we use the uh, voice commands, but we use them specific in the movie. You know, for this instance, if we were to use Spectrum Jammer, we would say Spectrum Jammer on. Then when we're done, we say off. It's just a switch. It's a voice switch. Um, that's really all I pulled from from the uh, episode. And I think we have four votes this week. Yep, we uh, didn't get too many people to to uh, vote this week. Uh, three for a four, and one my one for a three. And that one um, four needs to be switched somehow. So it's <laughs> so it's two and two. That's right. So we have one comment this week. It's from our buddy Anna. She says, this is a nice episode. I like the character Julian Fong, and I almost understand him a little. Why did he get fired from all those jobs? Did he do something wrong, or were they just being mean to him? A resonator bomb is, anyway, an interesting weapon, and Alex Sector explains really well how it works. That was a great comment. And uh, yep. Thanks, Anna. Yes, thank you very much. Well, that's going to about do it for MassCast24. We appreciate everybody listening each week, and we, of course, invite you to go back and listen to previous episodes. Uh, I believe iTunes uh, keeps about uh, three months' worth of our podcasts up there. If you want to go back deeper than that, we invite you to go to MixCloud.com and sift through our archives there. It goes all the way back to our, like Wyatt said earlier, our Meet the Writers podcast, which was number one. And then we started going into the masked uh, cartoon episodes. But we invite you to go there, and we also invite you to come back for MassCast 25. Can you believe we made it to 25? I know. Uh, we'll be talking about episode number 19 called Ghost Bomb. And in this episode, Venom plots to destroy the Panama Canal with a captured nuclear submarine. So another one outside of the U.S. going international and wreaking some havoc. Uh, And we are vastly approaching episode number 20 of the cartoon, which means we'll have a review show coming up probably, I would say, next month on episodes 11 through 20. And if you guys will remember, we basically did this uh, when we finished through episodes 1 through 10, where we give a a short little review of each episode, and then we take a look at our ratings for every episode and compare them, and we determine which is maybe the best and worst episodes through episodes 11 through 20, and uh, maybe some defining moments or uh, a moment that sticks out in our mind that kind of defines Mask. Um, in those 10 episodes so we invite you to keep listening and to come back uh, next month for a a wrap-up episode right and like we always say we have a great time with MassCast we thank you for listening we encourage you to to follow us on our Twitter account on Facebook and of course at our blog Mobile Armored Strike Command Movie Command with a K of course dot blogspot.com. And on behalf of Jason, this is Wyatt. 
and we look forward to seeing you next time on Mascast.